but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's this got a runway system. in the front yard. <laughs> now back to the Sun and Fun Radio deck. And we're back live. Welcome back to Sun and Fun Radio 2014 edition, our 20th annual Sun and Fun Radio broadcast. I'm so... I step back and think I've been doing this for 20 years, and it's just amazing to me that all the stuff that's happened on this radio station. I, I would say the memories of this deck, but we've just begun building memories on this deck. You're, this is our brand new deck. You're well on your way to creating new memories on this oh, deck. Oh, man, we, we've created great memories. One of the best things that I ever did for Sun and Fun Radio was invite the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast to come to a live episode. That led to getting word out about Sun and Fun Radio to all the thousands of listeners that you guys have. It led to the social media, which led to Sun, at SNF Radio and the Sun and Fun Radio Facebook page, and me a year later getting on SNF Radio Dave on Twitter and getting my own Facebook page. It is my privilege, my honor, to bring to deck my three friends, Jack, Dave, Jeb, the Voices in Your Head, the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. Gentlemen, I'm going to turn control over the, of the deck over to you for the next 60 minutes. Well, 53 minutes. Enjoy it. Have fun with it. But remember, we are a family radio show. G-rated podcast today, guys. We control <laughs> as, as always, you, you've been into the Bloody Marys a little bit this morning then, huh? No, I haven't. I, you mentioned Bloody Mary a minute ago, and I thought, God, that sounds like a good idea. We control the horizontal. We control the vertical. And that's a scary thought. Ladies and gentlemen, the live episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, David. That's very, very kind of you. We really appreciate yes. that. And uh, we've really enjoyed our time here with you, and we hope it will continue for a long time into the future. But in the meantime, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the general aviation podcast, coming to you with a very special episode, very special episode. Very, very special. <laughs> this morning from uh, Lakeland, Florida, in the grounds of the Sun and Fun 2014 Fly-In, uh, what do they call it, the International Fly-In and Expo. That's it. And uh, it's Number been, 40. It's been a great week. Uh, it's uh, Sunday morning, uh, the final day of this year's fly-in. Sunday and, uh, morning coming down. It's, uh, there it is. It's been a wonderful week in many, many regards. Uh, the, the, the one we like to talk about most is weather. Um, it's been just a great weather week. Yeah. Uh, uh, no tornadoes. and uh, <laughs> That's always a good thing. Uh, no, and uh, All kidding aside, uh, the, it's just been beautiful. No rain. No, uh, no, it was a little chilly a couple mornings. Yeah, it? A little bit overcast a couple of mornings, and it burned off. Yeah. Some beautiful stuff. The mor uh, Saturday morning, I was out here for the, uh, the balloon launch which I believe was delayed by just a little bit because of the fog, um, and that gave us some opportunities for uh, some, some great photo ops out in the fog, on the, in, particularly on the Warbird ramp, but all over the place. So, uh, but that burned off real quickly, and the balloon launch went off without a hitch, and uh, that was uh, a lot of fun. So it's been a great week weather-wise. Uh, the conditions are just as good as you'd ever expect from, uh, from Florida. I guess it's what the Florida folks expect normally. But you keep talking about the weather here as if it's something special. <laughs> Believe me. <laughs> Believe me. We northerners will tell you it's very special. We no, like it a lot. Flying's been great last night's uh, night show was as good as ever. The fireworks were spectacular, noisy, and filled the sky with lights. Uh, ran longer than it ever has uh, in my memory, and there was still thousands and thousands of people here streaming out when it was all over. Uh, yeah. Just shows the power of this. And the folks in the cheap seats across the drain field road to the north 
I understand that there was a, almost a as bad a traffic jam trying to get out of the places. The people were parked outside the fence watching from the other sure. side yep. as there was trying to get off the field. Yep. So, yeah. Before we get too much further along here, let me uh, do, do one little bit of business. It was just to introduce ourselves. Dave was very kind to uh, introduce us briefly, but uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and I'm here with my two very good friends. Uh, uh, Dave Higdon is here, and Jeb Burnside is here. Yes, indeed. Together and again. Together again, but not for much. They only allow us to get together face-to-face, all three of us in the same zip code, a couple times a year. Something, but, Yeah, there's something, some court case. That there's a, I, that. I thought it was there's a, a state legislator or something, yeah, yeah, something like yeah. that. So, uh, so we're, we're, we've just about used up our, our allotted time, so to speak. We uh, spend for, way too much time Florida. tearing down the wanted posters. Um, but we've had a good week here, and I uh, just want to spend the next uh, uh, 60 minutes or so talking about some of the things we've seen and, and some of our thoughts on, on the state of, uh, of our industry here, of, of general aviation. So in general, what kind of week has it been? Um, I, I, we're going to talk in detail about a few of the announcements, but what are some of the key things that happened here this week, announcements or, or uh, activities or whatever? Um, I, I think the main thing that struck, strikes me about this show this year uh, is uh, the crowds, the attendance, um, uh, all, it, the, all the exhibitor spots. And that they were good. Are, and that they were good. Let me, let me, uh, um, uh, the exhibitor spots all seem to have been filled. All the spaces in the, uh, in the vendor hangers are filled. All the tents outside the vendor hangers are filled. Um, I was here on day one. I was, I've been in and out a little bit all week. Um, and this morning, it's a little early yet. Uh, we're, not, we're not to the air show part yet. But uh, even today, I think, is going to be a pretty big oh, day I mean, for the I think show. The punchline is, this is one of the best shows uh, at Sun and Fun that I've attended, I think, from the, the attendance perspective, from the variety of, of vendors and activities. Um, it's all good. Yeah. For folks listening later on on the uh, UCAP stream, it's, uh, it's just after 11 o'clock in the morning on Sunday morning, and uh, there's definitely a crowd. I mean, it's not a crowd crowd, but there are people here. This is not a quiet no, Sunday morning. Yeah, there are already people here, and one would expect that the, uh, that the air show, including the final appearance of the Blue Angels here this year, um, will attract a lot of people. Yeah, we, we had thought about flying up this morning. We did think. We, and we, then cooler heads prevail when we just, you know, we could be in the conga line for an hour yeah, trying to get out of here. Yeah. Um, because of the, the attendance yeah. and uh, uh, because of the timings involved. So Yeah, so attendance has been great. David, your overall impression here? Um, well, I'll pick up a little bit on, on Jeb's observations. Uh, Thursday, Friday, Saturday were as good a crowd as on the field as I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, we spent a little time this morning visiting uh, with some of the uh, uh, people that participate in Vendor Bonding Day. Uh, and they were still talking to customers, uh, ask them how the, the flow's been. Uh, I haven't heard a lot of people, uh, I haven't heard anybody say they were sorry they came or disappointed yeah. in the results, yeah. which are kidding. Uh, it's been knocking wood. That's why there's a bruise on my forehead. Uh, relatively safe. We've had a couple of little fender benders, ground loop, and nose over. Uh, nothing serious. Uh, that's always great. Uh, Paradise City has far more exhibits and far more airplanes this year than last year. There's more stuff on the LSA mall side of the road yeah. than last year. I couldn't agree more. That's really, really come back to life. It's, that well, it's picked up. And, and, and what's nice is the theory, the, the philosophy of what they've done over there. 
has caught on and it's working. Yeah, it is. I, as I mentioned on one of the dailies, uh, I was over there uh, right after the air show one afternoon, and uh, they, once they put up the green flag, I mean, there was a race of airplanes, just, just one after another after another taking off. And the thing that was interesting, because that certainly was true in the old days of just when it was just ultralights, but now it's a mixture of ultralights and LSAs and large and small and, and, and metal and fabric, and I mean, it's just like a really, really amazing diversity of aircraft down there at Paradise City. And it's, it, it, it satisfied, last year satisfied some of the concerns that some of the LSA folks were a little hesitant to mix in over there and some of them expressed concerns about the length of the runway and we had some interesting conversations because they were advertising runway performance numbers that were well within that runway length yep. and then uh, we're not sure we want to fly over there it's kind of short and it's obstructed well sun and fun the FAA and the airport authority took care of the clear runs made it far more uh, hospitable looking they they came back in a small number last year. This year, they're back in droves, and they're proving that the mix can work. Yeah. Um, we had a real treat one, one, one evening when you and I, David, were down there um, in uh, watching um, is it John, John Moody John Moody fly a legendary aircraft. Tell us about that. What? Well, John Moody has been here flying all week with two legendary aircraft, and, and I'm going to pick the second one that Jack's got in mind first. His Easy Riser, or his Icarus, I'm not sure exactly. There's a differentiation, but very similar. It's a tailless, swept biplane. Mm-hmm. Foot launch hang glider in the early days. John. Fabric on, on metal? Or? Fabric uh, covered uh, ribs, foam, metal tubes, mm-hmm. wires, uh, chip rudders between the upper and lower wing. Sit in a sling, little forward and a little backward for pitch, roll a twist grip for the rudders. Uh, he caused a sensation at Oshkosh years ago when he put a little chainsaw engine or something similar on the back of it, ran off the ground parallel to 1836 and climbed into the air. Mm-hmm. A hang glider, foot launching off level ground, and maybe that opened the door, the rush was on. He was here with that this week, and he's been here flying one of the uh, successor designs that came along in that rush called the American Aviation Eagle. Yeah. which was a hang glider with a canard and tip sails below the wing, uh, tricycle gear, a uh, little pusher prop. Uh, this one happens to be the real deal from the early 80s when it was a Coca-Cola promotional right. aircraft because right. it's red sail with white Coca-Cola sewn into the wing. John flies up from uh, South Lakeland Air Park about eight miles from here before the show opens gets a ride back, flies the other one up, and then every evening and every morning, he's out in a pattern known as puppy. It is truly the historical linkage that brings us from hang gliders to ultralights, ultralights to light sports. Right, very much a, a genesis moment. I mean. Very much, very much. It's like you can see the entire archaeological history of that end right there in one spot. And and so John is not only here, but he's still flying these airplanes in the pattern. Still flying these airplanes in the pattern, and he has a drunk farmer show that he does occasionally where a guy comes out on the field with a, a shotgun shooting blanks, and he, he wants that guy to come down, and the first shot takes away one of the landing gear, and the next shot takes away... And they fall to the ground. A third shot takes away the nose gear, and the announcer's getting all breathless, and he shuts the engine down and comes in and lands on his tennis shoes. 
Nice, nice. Jeb, you, you are well known to our listeners as being a, a debonair uh, owner and pilot, right. um, and your debonair are a relatively complex aircraft, but, but you have expressed what it seems to be a, a genuine interest in ultralights and ultralight flying yes. and ultra, ultralight ownership. Um, one might find that an, an unusual shift. What's the appeal to you of ultralight? Um, kind of a cross between um, the debonair and a motorcycle. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in that I'm aloft, uh, but I'm not in this uh, uh, insulated cabin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the wind is not blowing through my hair in the debonair. Um, the debonair is a great go somewhere airplane. Mm-hmm. It's a great um, uh, fly to Key West for dinner and come back airplane. Uh, it's not what I would consider to be a Saturday afternoon uh, go chase cows airplane. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. Um, and that's kind of sort of what I'm leaning, uh, not so much leaning towards, but kind of thinking about in the future. The appeal of it the, all. The, the appeal of, of not so much getting back to grassroots, as it were, but something a little bit lower and slower, certainly more economical, uh, but also um, something that's just easier to uh, drag out of the hangar and prep and, and put away. Yeah, that's what uh, I was going to say. Than a, than a, you know, a, a 170 knot airplane. So a little bit more spur of the moment flying. A little bit more be. spur of the moment, a little bit more fun. It, it, I won't say that flying the debonair is work, uh, but there's a lot more to do to get it ready to yeah, go. it's complex. It's, it's a complex airplane, but, you know, that... I mean, in, in both senses of the yeah, word. Well, I mean. there's, yeah, there's a couple more handles and, and things like that to deal with when you're flying it, but that's not really the issue. Well, and Jeb really hit something there. Yeah. You know, more economical, more fun, more spur, spur of the moment. Uh, uh, a light sport in the low end or an ultralight can literally turn a $100 hamburger right. trip into 1995. Right. Um, and, and that's, I don't go out chasing $100 hamburgers all that much, um, but... There might be an afternoon where, you know, I'd really like to go fly, right? You know, just go shoot some touch and goes or something like that. And um, it's, it's again, more expensive um, to do it in the debonair. It's, it's not as much fun as what I think, think would be the case if I had something smaller with an open air uh, a cockpit or, or even just, uh, you know, some thin plastic separating me from the rest of the world. As I say, the, the, the motorcycle, the airborne motorcycle comparison mm-hmm. is, is something that I would kind of hang my hat on. There's yeah. even one model out there called the Airbike. Yeah. 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 So uh, at another end of the spectrum, um, you know, I think, I think a lot of people think of Sun and Fun probably justifiably as being ultralights, being personal airplanes, being home builders, um, and, and LSA and these days. So. And rightfully so. But David, you've been calling a lot of our attention throughout the week to uh, a, a much greater than zero uh, business aviation component here. Um, yeah. what, what are your thoughts on that? Tell well, us bus- what you've been doing. Business seeing. aviation is a big chunk of my uh, work practice, and, uh, and, and, and happily so. It, it gives me something far away from this, and my attention span's short, and my boredom threshold low. And I've seen more business turbine aircraft on the field here this week with deeper representation. Eclipse got one of the first 550s here since mm-hmm. they got the airplane recertified. I mean, there was a moment. We were walking out among the outdoor exhibit area here, and we were at a particular intersection out there, and you said, stop. And what did you say? You said, oh, look. take a look around. Take a 360 and degree. What did we see? Well, okay, we had a Quest Kodiak. 
Uh, we had Eclipse 550. You look to the south, and there was Epic. There was their recently certified single-engine turboprop, pressurized. Right next to it was Piaggio P180, my favorite catfish dish. Uh, I've heard a lot of people referring to it as a catfish. It does have that kind of look to it. I started it? that in you, an episode months ago. <laughs> you did? Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, TBM, uh, Daher Sakata, to be formal. T- uh, they just announced a new model, the TBM 900. They debuted it here. They chose to come here to debut that aircraft. Beach has three King Airs in their space over there. Uh, Cessna has a caravan in its space. Uh, and, and I'm missing somebody. There's another one. Well, Piper had the 549th Meridian yep. in their space. Yep. A little bit further down the road there was the, oh, you said King Air. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, so a lot of business aviation aircraft. A, a lot of business aviation. And, and these these folks don't show up for the philanthropy. Right. And it's not to say that, that piston aircraft can't be used for business aviation, but, but these, these Oh, certainly. These the jets, light business these, aviation end is what's you know, kept a lot of folks uh, alive. The turbine aircraft is something you might not necessarily, other than, you know, like the Warbirds and the Blue Angels. Right? There, there was a time and a job I had where the conventional wisdom of some of my superiors were that here in Oshkosh was just a show for those little garage tinkerers, and no serious aviation business was done here. Uh, the the turbine presence here at Sun and Fun this year completely blows that away. They have sold airplanes. They have taken deposits on airplanes. They're flying demos out of another airport. Uh, this is a good market for them because you can't tell, looking at the audience here, the difference between the guy that came in in a you know right. in a Volkswagen thing and the guy that came in in a Rolls. Right. They pretty much dress the same. So right? although their budgets are dramatically different. <clears throat> We've now officially defined the ends of the spectrum, right? The Volkswagen thing so, yeah. and the Rolls. Yeah, yeah there you go. Yeah. Okay. Um, I, I would agree with all that. I would I would suggest that all of this um, would seem to indicate uh, some economic recovery on a macro scale mm-hmm. uh, in, in here in North America. I would also suggest that uh, um, maybe we're seeing the, the light at the end of the tunnel for general aviation um, coming out of this recession, coming out of these doldrums. Um, and it's not the landing light of an incoming airplane? Yeah, the, the, the numbers um, don't reflect that right now. Uh, looking at the latest gamma numbers, for example, on, on, uh, on sales, um, the, the 2012 and I think the early 13 numbers um, show some slight upticks. Um, the billing numbers are way high, represented by uh, um, business jets. Yeah, but um, uh, the piston single market is is still pretty flat. Hopefully, we'll see different numbers here yeah. in the next quarter or, or at the end of the year, and I think um, uh, we will based on this this show. Yeah, way back in the earliest days of this podcast, back in the late fifties or whatever that was, um, one of the subjects we talked about a lot, uh, one of the subjects that was was a was a very very hot in in general aviation was what we were referring to at the time as PJs. Personal jets, right? BLJ, yeah, in the PJ, and uh, and so we've got. Uh, um, you mentioned a moment ago the Eclipse. Uh, you talk about Correct. a Genesis Genesis moment. I mean, there was an aircraft, uh, the the announcement of which, you know, really really uh, jump started that whole movement. It did, and then it kind of flamed out. All right, not to mix too many metaphors here. All right, but uh, it, it it and many thought that it was done. Now it's back. Um, it, Eclipse, the original, went through a, an ugly bankruptcy uh, after having this huge order book, one of them by a speculative operation that tanked on its own 
bad business plan very quickly. Eclipse had its startup problems originally. They went through bankruptcy. New investors bought it out. They've gone back through the airplane, recertified it as a 550. Everything's done on it now that was stutter stepped through in the original uh, with the original company. Uh, I did not see the Cirrus jet here, uh, but they flown a conformal prototype right. of their single-engine jet. I was sort of hoping to see that here, but uh, I didn't see I it either. Think they, I think they're working it hard to try to move certification forward because they'd like to be delivering that airplane in, yeah. in 2015. Yeah, okay. Um, parties. How was it for a week? J- David, you, there you are did... parties here? You did the duration. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeb and I kind of snuck off to do other things, um, but uh, I, I, we attended a few things. What, what was the social life here this week, David? That's another interesting thing that seemed to be a little more prominent this year than I remember. Uh, Some of the type clubs, some of the associations, like state flying organizations, guys from Carolinas I've seen a couple of times, uh, there seemed to be more after-hours activity here. I think some of that has to do with the crowd. I think some of it has to do with the attitude. I think some of it has to do with um, the company sponsoring these parties having a little bit bigger budget because this, maybe their sales are a little bit better. Some of that for those for the ones that were company sponsored, I think you're absolutely right. But there, there were so many more small member organizations doing good stuff. They had an international food court festival here a couple of nights ago with about a dozen food trucks coming uh, that came in. Uh, they had a mob of people up there for I, that. I, that sounds like uh, it was great. Because roast. when I think of international cuisine, I think of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, Jeb and I both missed the uh, night fireworks and air show, but you were here. Um, it Was it as, as cool as it usually is? It, it was as cool as it usually is and maybe even cooler. Uh, I, I'm visiting with uh, fans of the podcast, fans of the radio station on the back deck. I'd peek around at the night acts and... Like I said earlier, there was mob out there, and then the fireworks show started, accompanied by music, and that sucker went on for thirty odd, thirty five minutes. Yeah, yeah. We were talking to our pal uh, Jim Goldman about this, and he was he was crowing, or I don't know if that's not the right word, but he was he was kind of raving about the uh, the uh, glider, the night glider act that uh, that um, Manfred Radius. Manfred Radius does, um, and it's a beautiful show in the daytime. I mean, it's really kind of spectacularly beautiful in the daytime. At night, he puts pyro and stuff on the wingtips and on yeah. this thing, you know, and uh, it, and, and there's no noise from no. There's no engine. Yeah. And prior and so, to him flying was a young man uh, who's been flying the circuit for years in a hang glider, doing aerobatics called Dan Buchanan. Uh huh. And Dan does a night pyro show as well. Yeah. So it's it's quite a thing. Um, we, we were all we were we were speculating what what it must have been like when they first were trying to like develop this idea and 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 when when they first went to the Fizdo uh, Jeb, you thought their reaction might have been yeah. yeah. Are you out of your freaking mind? Yes. You want to do what at night? Fireworks? With fi- you want to put fireworks on an airplane? Yeah, really? So, um, but, Step right over here. Have a seat. <laughs> I know. But it seems to work just fine. So uh, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, uh, non-flying social uh, and uh, you know inter- personal interaction stuff going on here throughout the week. Not the least of which is uh, is all the fun that people had here. I mean, every year is fun hanging out at the radio station here at Sun and Fun Radio. Um, but uh, but uh, uh, our pal Dave Schalbetter, in a, in a, just a, a a burst of of I don't know, very very smart stuff. All right, came up with this idea of expanding the deck, not only making the deck on the front bigger because it makes it more convenient for the radio operation, but adding the back deck, which has really turned into a wonderful spot for people to kind of kick back and uh, and to relax and to uh, there's all 
also been radio interviews going on out there and uh, just all sorts of stuff all week long. Um, it, it just kind of enhances, adds to what is already the tremendous uh, uh, sense of camaraderie here at the radio station. And all you have to do, the price of admission to hang out at the radio station deck is either volunteer at the radio station or support it in some other way. And uh, you'd be welcome here as well. Dave Schalbetter is trying to show me something here. What's he speaking of? Speaking of supporters, shout out to Tony P from Mobile, UCAP listener, somebody that was loves the radio station, tunes in a lot. Thanks to you guys and the social media. So, Tony P, it was great to see you, man. Have a safe trip home. We look forward to seeing you next year. Yeah, I know Tony was here earlier. Dave, you saw him earlier in the week. I was away that at that moment. I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to visit you, but uh, Tony was the was the guy who got me my first Aero Show ride. See, so ah. that was. I'm bad. He, has a, yeah. he has a very, very okay. special place in my heart. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, uh, we got to take a quick break here to uh, recognize some of the folks that have been helping out Sun and Fun Radio and the Sun and Fun Fly-In. But we'll be back to talk for a little bit more about uh, Sun and Fun 2014. You're listening to a special episode of the Uncontrolled Airspace Podcast on Sun and Fun Radio. Very Hang special. in. Hey, everybody. This is Sun and Fun Junkie Jeff Sager. You are listening to Sun and Fun Radio, WPEP 788. 1510 a.m. in Lakeland, Florida, and on the web at liveatc.net forward slash SNF. And now, back to Sun and Fun Radio Live, coming to you from the brand new deck on Sun and Fun Radio, 1510 a.m. So, you know, here, here's my question. What's that, Jeff? W- 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 most decks in Florida, with which I'm familiar, yeah. uh, aren't just decks. Okay. They have some other accoutrements. And, uh, so I want to know when we're going to put the hot tub in. <laughs> yeah, okay. You know, it's pretty cushy back there. For all I know, there's a hot tub hiding off in the corner here. You, uh, you missed it. Yesterday we had somebody fill up one of the coolers with hot water and then blow through a soda yeah, straw. That's they, they got some big coolers yeah, I'm, back I'm there. I'm actually kind of glad I missed that. But... Uh, <laughs> Um, we are back here at, uh, at Sun and Fun 2014 with Uncontrolled Airspace, and uh, it's, uh, it's a beautiful Sunday morning. It's actually getting a little bit warm here. I mean, I, I'm sort of standing in and out of the sun here at the edge of the deck, and uh, standing in the sun, it gets warm real fast. So uh, It's funny that way. It's going to be a beautiful yeah, day amazing. here. And uh, Jeb was observing that just in the, time, in the half hour we've been on, on the uh, podcast, uh, the crowd is picking up really noticeably. This is going to be a, be a busy day. Yeah, even for Especially a Sunday. for a final day. Even, even for a vendor bonding day. Uh, yeah, that's right. So, uh, and I think Florida Day yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and if you're if you're within the sound of our voice, perhaps on the internet stream, uh, come on down because it's uh, it's still happening. Big That's air right. show this afternoon. That's the right. exhibits are all still open. The if you're listening to us out on Drainfield Road, the gates on this side. <laughs> so I've, I've often given um, our pal Dan Johnson a hard time for being one of the people who introduced Dave, you, our Dave Higdon, to aviation. Um, uh, another one of those culprits that we ought to probably uh, you know take issue with is a gentleman by the name of Kirby Ortega, um, who is an old pal of yours, David. Tell us that Kirby's uh, uh, apparently achieved a lot of things in his aviation career, but something pretty notable late, lately. Well, bumped into Kirby here. Uh, Kirby was my accompanying pilot when uh, EAA tasked me with flying a skycatcher from uh, San Diego to Tampa a few mm-hmm. years ago yep. and eventually to Hidden River. Uh, but we already knew Kirby well because... He was a partner in the flight school that taught me to fly, yep. and then he was my, my uh, check airman so, uh, on my private pilot. Uh, that part of it's all on him. Yeah, yeah. Look, wow. Kirby's, Kirby's got a fascinating background. He, uh, his father worked at Cessna. Kirby learned to fly when he was, uh, got his license when he was 17 through the Cessna Employee Flying Club. At 23, he was hired. He got his CFI uh, down in Oklahoma, I believe it was. At 23, Cessna hired him as its chief flight instructor for the flying club. Uh, he progressed through, uh, 
eventually became chief piston pilot. And Thursday night, unbeknownst to him, he was at the National Association of Flight Instructors dinner when they announced his induction into the Hall of Fame for flight instructors. That's very cool. Uh, Kirby's very, now very retired cool. from Cessna. Uh, he was there from 1980 until uh, 2013. And he's still a young guy and full of vim and vigor. That's not the word I was going to use. Is, what is vim? Yeah, I think it comes in a bottle. Uh, met Kirby and his lovely wife here a couple of days ago. He didn't know then that this was coming. This is my little shout-out to a guy that's really helped me step along the path in this business. Uh, congratulations, Kirby. Well-deserved. Someone who's helped you step along and someone for whom we still hold responsibility. <laughs> that's right. Eventually, oh, never mind. There's a joke in there. He, can share, he can share it with Dan Johnson. <laughs> um, speaking of vim and vigor, uh, the FAA has been up to stuff this week. Uh, and uh, Yeah, there's some vim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah, now I think was, we're closing in on a definition was of that of vigor or vinegar oh <laughs> yeah right exactly so the fa we, we knew this was kind of there was action happening on the subject of, uh, of of making some changes to the faa third class medical requirements and uh, but we weren't really expecting anything to come out of that this week we were sort of more expecting later down later on in the summer when the air show up the road happens but but faa took us a little bit by surprise and made an announcement um earlier this week and, uh, uh, David, before you tell us what you think about the announcement, can you summarize the announcement for us? Oh, that's easy. They announced that they were working on it. Yeah, this is... This is the response to the two-year-plus exemption application from AOPA and EAA to eliminate the medical requirement for Part 23 airplanes. I think up to 2,800 pounds, 180 horsepower, you could fly four-seater, but you can only use two. It was basically a petition to expand the sport pilot driver's license medical to right. GA. And uh, the FAA did what it was required. They published the p- proposal, the petition. They got somewhere north of 16,000 comments, and then nothing. Mm-hmm. For a few years. For a few years. And the nothing became so noisy that in December, members of the House General Aviation Caucus from both parties introduced a bill called the General Aviation Pilot Protection Act, uh, which greatly expands what you're eligible to fly under their idea for an exemption. Uh, Just last month, a companion bill was introduced in the Senate with bipartisan sponsorship. Not as many people signed on originally, but that's growing, I understand. Yep. And, wow, suddenly the FAA is like, we're getting right on that. Okay. And so soon, someday, with something, watch this space. And that's the announcement they made earlier that this week. That was it, baby. Is that typical for the, does the FAA typically pre-announce an NPRM, or, or is it, does it usually just appear ready to go? It's the FAA. They, they can, they'll oh. do whatever they want to do, whenever okay. they want to do it, uh, with whatever justification they want to do it. The quick answer, though, is yes, occasionally they have uh, said, yeah, you know, there's a, we need to put a rulemaking out. Generally, we're talking about uh, issues that are more visible uh, to the general public. Mm-hmm. But in this case, um, they made a big deal about, yeah, you know, we've got this petition that we've been kind of sitting on, and we just drug it out of the bottom drawer of the desk, and yeah, okay, well, and uh, you Congress critters, yeah, okay, uh, yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and do a, an NPRM. Sure, sure. Now, and, and now, 
go ahead. Well, I was going to, I kind of wanted to do this. Now that you've set the stage. I've set the stage here. So David, uh, earlier in the week on one of the dailies, um, you had an opportunity to express your, your view of what this was all about and what the effect of this would be. Um, and I don't want you to kind of go through the whole thing, but can you kind of summarize what you think this is all about and what the result of this will be? Sure. I hope they, I believe that the FAA is, is doing this because they hope it will slow down momentum in Congress, which it may. I don't think it's going to stop momentum in Congress. Uh, enough members of the House and Senate got upset at being at, at, at the GA community being essentially ignored over this and took matters into their own hands. And several pilots in the House got together and wrote their right. their bill. So uh, to me, it's uh, it, there's a blog post on uncontrolled airspace. I call this a head fake. Yep. It, it 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 really is and you signifying will, nothing at this just point. Just a little speed bump and that the legislation will go forward is what you think. That's my expectation based on the reaction to the FAA announcement from the primary sponsors in both chambers. Yeah. Is, yeah, we're going to keep an eye on this. In the meantime, and this Congress already has a history of dealing with the FAA that way, where the FAA is not moving as fast as they wanted them to. Mm-hmm. The Part 23 re- rewrite was one of them, and the ARAC recommendations, the Aviation Rulemaking Committee, was like 150 recommendations. And for almost a year, the FAA said, yeah, we're working on it, yeah, we're working yeah, on okay. it. Congress so, says, okay, we're just going to mandate you do it. All right. So, so having said that, um, uh, Jeb, what, what's your sense of the intent and or effect of it's this a, FAA announcement? It's a classic delaying tactic, and it's nothing more. Uh, prior to the FAA's action earlier this week, and by the way, there was actually two actions this week um, affecting uh, pilot medical certificates. One of them was um, uh, a formal policy development process. I hesitate to call it a rulemaking uh, with respect to the sleep apnea issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was the first uh, first step the FAA took. The second step was to announce this rulemaking on uh, what we'll call driver's license medicals. Um, but it's a stone-delaying tactic. This legislation was about ready to go through Congress like crap through a goose. Okay? And the FAA can't let that happen uh, without mm-hmm. uh, uh, some uh, um, say-so. So they have decided to, to try to preempt this effort and said, okay, yeah, sure, we'll... We'll go. This sounds like a good idea. We've got this petition. Uh, we'll go ahead and, and do a rulemaking. Um, my first reaction was, and still is, um, they just put a five-year gap uh, between what was the case two weeks ago and the enactment of some final rule allowing driver's license medical. So you, this, you think this is going to stall the whole there, stall the whole process? I think it's going to stall the whole process. There were a group of members of Congress and senators who were salivating at the prospect of knocking this through Congress and getting it to the White House between now and that big air show up the road uh, so that they could take a victory lap. And why do you think they won't do that now? They, they can't. They don't have any victory. And they will not get the bill through Congress right now because all FAA has to do is, is write a one-page letter saying we're studying this issue, and for whatever period of time preceding this, uh, going back into the 30s, 40s, or 50s, we've had these medical requirements, and we believe it requires more study than has been um, uh, given 
this, we believe this legislation and, and the impact mm-hmm. of it requires more study than it has been given, and we ask you, member of Congress, to not vote in favor of this bill until we have that opportunity. So you don't think it'll happen by... I can by, write that letter. You don't think it'll happen by August, but you don't think it'll happen... Dave think, said earlier he thought it'd be the end of the year. No. I, I think five years. Because once they start a rulemaking, it's, it, they're going to... They're going to do the rulemaking. Yeah. Dave, and if they can hold off Congress long enough, that's which is their goal here, that's what will happen. Yeah. David, have you can reconsidered your end-of-the-year prediction? No. Uh, because we're dealing with the same Congress that just went through the same process on the FAA saying, yes, we're working on this. We think some of these things need study. We're going to be doing a rulemaking on some of the Aviation Rulemaking Committee recommendations for the Part 23 rewrite. Congress said, thanks for that. We'll see you in the morning. They passed it. Jeb? No, they, they, the, the Part 23 rewrite was had been in the works for some time. There were aviation rulemaking committees convened. There, were, there was a lot of paperwork that was shuffled at the FAA. The FAA was, in fact, moving in the direction of doing a Part, one, a Part 23 rewrite. The legislation that passed Congress, I guess it was late last year, basically all it said was, we support this effort and we hope that it will come to fruition in the near future. That's all that part. That's all that legislation really said, um, and leaving it to the agency to continue that ongoing process. So we'll see, huh? We'll, we'll see. see. Don't, don't get mean, me wrong. I, I'm, you know, I'm all in favor of the driver's license medical, and in fact, the the, peti- the instant petition, the one filed by AOPA and EAA, uh, is your basic half a loaf. Uh, the legislation introduced earlier this year, late last year, whenever it was. Um, by members of the General Aviation Coalition to to expand that concept and allow basically anything under 6,000 pounds and and I think four or six seats, I forget. Six, six, six seats, seats, 250 six, knots, 14,000 feet. In, in VFR. Uh, right. Uh, but night. But night also. The, the, main, the main problem with that... Um, to me, is just the IFR versus VFR, but I can live with that those parameters as they were set out. Um, what will happen is anyone's guess. Uh, I've told you mine. Mm-hmm. Jeb, Jeb's right about that. It's you know Congress is so hard to predict. The scenario that I had in my mind playing out is this is an election year. This is the last session of this Congress, and this Congress has already had it. How, how many how many pilots are there? Oh. How many pilots in the U.S. on, on U.S. registry? Uh, what is it down to six hundred thousand? Yeah, it's a, little, a bit over now, half a they, million. They, they probably vote on a higher with a higher degree of frequency than the average citizen, mm-hmm. uh, and they may even contribute to political campaigns with a higher degree than the average citizen. But uh, someone basing their re-election hopes in their own district or in in their 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 single state. Uh, basing that on on pilots turning out for them is going to be sorely disappointed come November. Yeah, the uh, GA caucus in the House, if memory serves me, is just slightly over half the members. I think that's correct. I think in the Senate is also slightly over half. No, the I members. thought it was so, even so more than that. There is okay. a, well, there is a majority in both houses of Congress mm-hmm. uh, who are members of the General Aviation Coalition. That gets you a, a cup of coffee. Because that there's no guarantee that they're always going to vote, sure. Uh, um, the way the three of us want them to. I, I hear you. I, 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 I admit that it gets you a little more than a cup of coffee, but I don't I think get this will be a campaign. A dunk. I'm sorry. Go ahead, David. I'm I sorry. don't think this will be a campaign issue beyond one thing. They're going to go home it's to their districts for election and brag that they're able to work with the other side. There's, and that's it. I, I don't even think that's bec- because in, in, in the majority of the districts around the country, that's. 
a, a, a bug, not a feature. Yeah. Okay, um, but what I'm what I'm getting around to is um, all it takes is for this action this week by the FAA and the subsequent letter, if and when this bill gets scheduled for for floor action on either chamber. Uh, the subsequent letter from the FAA to put enough doubt in a handful of members of Congress uh, on in, in in either chamber to uh, not allow the bill to go through. That's it, all it it's takes. even simpler in the Senate. All they have to right. do is convince one guy to put a hold on it yeah. under the current yeah. rules, and it stops there right. until he removes the hold. Yeah. And I'm perfectly prepared to be wrong. Okay. But well, no, I don't. I'm going to keep pushing people yeah. to keep pushing their members. Don't, don't misunderstand. I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. Uh, but I've seen this too many times. I've seen you. it from yeah. this FAA yeah. too many times. Yeah. And Jeb's got a lot more experience at that level on the inside. Mine's all from the outside watching in. Yeah. So anyways, I, a couple months ago on the podcast, I predicted that this whole third-class medical changes thing would be one of the biggest stories in aviation uh, this year. And, and it still may be. I think it's going to be, but it's a very different story this, this week than it was last week. And so we'll be following it as the podcast continues throughout the year. Crap through a goose. Okay, that's, that's what I wrote down as a possible... Let's not make that the episode title. Uh, you never know, you never know. You never know. Fantasy of Flight. Oh, wonderful place. A wonderful place, but sadly... Uh, Today's it, their last day. A very bittersweet week here because uh, they've announced a couple weeks ago that they're going to be closing down the public um, aspect of that uh, that uh, venue. And uh, I, I'm sad to, to report that I've never been managed to get over there. Um, David, have you? You've got a few hours. Yeah, and... It, We'll see, but I'm not counting on that. Several times I'm out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Several times in the last, several times in in the first three or four years that Fantasy was open, it was uh, I I was lucky enough to be able to visit over there. Amazing place, and if you're an airplane junkie and you haven't been there, sorry, you just missed an opportunity. Now they still held the splash in over there this year, right? Correct. Yeah, they've got a big lake adjacent to it. Kermit Weeks, the man who conceived, funded, and built Fantasy of Flight, had it with a big lake there so he could put his Shorts Sunderland in his museum collection there. Shorts Sunderland is, is is not an amphib. It's a flying boat. Yes. Big yep. flying yeah. boat. So, uh, yeah, they had, this, they had the splash-in over there, and I understand it was a big success. Um, I'd be willing to bet that the splash-in will return there next year well, because the facility's not going away. It's just not going to become a public facility. It's not right. like a, a destination Kerm- attraction Kermit anymore. Weeks, who, who runs that operation, um, put, a, put out a press release and, and a notice on Facebook. It's been a month or so ago About now. About that, yeah. Uh, where he was going to be closing Fantasy of Flight. Uh, today he set the calendar date. Obviously, doing it at the end of Sun and Fun, um, but he he also basically said in that statement that it's not the end of that facility. It's just not going to be branded as Fantasy of Flight any longer, uh, and it's going to be rejiggered, uh, reconfigured uh, into something different, mm-hmm. uh, and will reopen at some point in the future. Yeah, so that'll be good. But uh, and with luck, it'll be. Before the 2015 splash. Well, it'll probably be before we get driver's license medicals, too. Okay. Uh, <laughs> a little sign language just happened right here on the deck. It was very and interesting. And that's the only American sign language I know. <laughs> David, uh, Jeb, I don't know if you got a chance to see the Blue Angels fly. Um, I did. It was very sweet. Yeah. Uh, I saw the F-22 uh, convert jet fuel into noise. 
Uh, that's a little bit impressive. That that. The, yeah, yeah. Because um, that's brute force. You it, know, it, the it, Blue it, Angels are grace. You know, and mm-hmm. power. There's some the brute force. There's yeah. some brute force in the Blue Angels uh, routine also. Yeah. But most of it is precision and and restraint, which uh, you may or may not want to uh, associate with an FA-18. Um, that all having been said, um, yeah, that it's that kind of thing that combine to make uh, uh, this a great show this year. Yeah, it was terrific. They did a maneuver, though, that I thought was kind of interesting, and I can't decide whether it was a... I can't imagine it was a mistake, because these guys don't make mistakes. But it was a maneuver where... I'm trying to exact. So I only got a chance to actually be out there and watch the whole the whole show, Blue Angel show once, and then I kind of was on the grounds for another time, so I wasn't able to see. So I was out on the flight line, and the four ship team was doing their thing, and I, as I recall, what happened was they they flew over our heads from behind us, and then were disappearing off in the distance as we faced the runway, and then they did a break of some sort where two aircraft went in one direction and two aircraft went in the other direction, and then they kind of were trying to rejoin. And here's the interesting part: is that they ended up swooping down around sort of behind us and i guess one of the two ship teams came straight back over our heads again all right and and to the rear of the of the event you know of the uh, fly-in site while the other two had looped around had had circled around and came crosswise across the the fly-in grounds and they crossed over the flying grounds really close to each other, all right? Very much like they do a couple times during the show out over the runway. You see them do these kind of, you know, close passes, all right? Um, my issue is they did that over the showgrounds. They did that outside what I consider the box, all right? You know, can, you, can you picture what I'm I describing? I understand exactly what you're talking about. It just struck me as odd that they did one of those near passes, those close passes yeah. over the crowd like that. Um... I don't know what that maneuver is called. I've certainly seen it before. You have. Um, and uh, I would suggest to you that from the ground, it looks like they're flying a lot closer well, a, 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 than they really are. There's probably 25, 50 feet of separation, a vertical separation between those airplanes when they when they physically cross each other. Yeah. Uh, and and the, A, they've done it before. B, um, they've probably done it uh, um, for real, uh, at least uh, in, in training uh uh, um, uh, combat training uh, flights and things like that. So now going out beyond going out of the box and whatnot, I, I got to suggest that uh, uh, the box for an FA-18 is a little bit larger than for a pit. Well, but usually a, the box oh, has all kinds of exclusions right, over the crowd, right, right. right? It's not probably and, a and box. Not, and they're prob- they might be at 1,000 AGL uh, yeah. out there. Who knows? Well, no, it didn't seem like it. they were right like over our heads here. Yeah. Yeah. David, they always do that. Yeah, they always do that. Yeah. They're they. They require an evacuation of some of the camp areas here for the stuff where they're truly low and fast. But, for example, and we'll do this by compass points, uh, there's a whole lot of the act where they start south of us and head north across the crowd, coming from behind the crowd. They do that. Others go in the other way every show. Their box is several miles wide, and they manage to stay well within it. They did two rehearsals here uh, when they arrived, and I'm not... I'm like Jeb. I don't think they were as close as they looked. Uh, that's an optical illusion that they depend on to help build. They do drama. depend on that. Yes. Yeah. 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 No, it's a cool show. I, I it was just oh, kind of ta- caught my attention. And uh, but when uh, they come across here, smoking, 
I mean, yeah, oh yeah, yeah and the, the fat they Albert are thing. low. They are low. They're probably at 150 feet. The fat Albert C130 uh-huh. thing is pretty yeah. cool. And yeah. He does some serious low passes, man. He just like and, swoops and, and, over the treetops here, and, 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 and uh, also, you know, kind of gives you a flavor of what that airplane can do with not a whole bunch of fuel. In it. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, and it doesn't Lightly have a, loaded. doesn't have a whole bunch of fuel, in it, but it has a whole bunch of passengers. One of the uh, one of the volunteers here at, at Sun and Fun Radio went into the I guess it's a lottery of some sort. You, you put your name on the list, and maybe you get to go along for the ride, and he did. And he came back, and he was just like ear to ear grinning. He was he was he was a happy guy. Did you get a fam ride in the FA eighteen? What? Uh, no. Well, yeah. That, no, he, in the uh, in Fat Albert. Fat, Fat Albert. Albert. Oh, yeah, Fat he Albert. rode in the back of Fat Albert. Yeah. And uh, he said he said he, he says yeah, there's no windows. He said, but still, he said he was very happy with the whole the whole deal. So. Uh, I, I can only imagine. Yeah, I, I, think, I think we've commented on that before, yeah. so we don't need to waste time here. Hey, we're reaching the end of our allotted time, not only of uh, this episode of Uncontrolled Airspace, but of uh, Sun and Fun 2014. Uh, we've got a few hours left. Uh, we're going to go out and, uh, and uh, do, f- do some more exhibits and, and probably catch a little bit of the air show and then uh, retreat back to our various uh, uh, homes. But uh, we've got a few hours left. Uh, you guys got any particular plans for today? What are you going to do? I'm going to do some last-minute shopping, um, catch up with a buddy of mine who called me this morning. He's in town for the day, at the show for the day, um, and uh, maybe try to get home at a reasonable hour and actually kind of catch up on sleep. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, you mentioned earlier in the week something you'd purchased. Anything else caught your attention, or are you, you planning, or did pop no, There's by a or? lot of things that have caught my attention, and that you know, kind of goes back to our, our first conversation of this episode. Um, there's nothing really revolutionary here. There are products that uh, we've all seen um, that uh, maybe are coming to maturation, mm-hmm. that maybe are being finally brought to market after being under development for the last several years. Again, that signs signifies to me that we're looking at, uh, um, um, I wouldn't call it a rejuvenation, but at least a little bit more confidence in this industry yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, uh, I haven't actually made a purchase yet, but I think I'm going to make a purchase. I, uh, I dun, 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 not a big deal. But uh, I just wanted to call attention to something, that, a product that I particularly like. Um, I've owned what I characterize as being a first-generation Brightline pilot bag for a few years now. And, uh, and, and I fell in love with that bag from the moment I saw their video uh, on the Internet and uh, ordered one by mail, and I've, I've loved that bag. And I thought that that bag was so good that I wouldn't need another, but I wandered by their booth the other day, and he gave me the little demo about the new improved. Brightline bag, and so I'm going to go over there and make my final decision. But I find, even though I'm a happy owner of a Generation One Brightline bag, I got to go check out this this new one. Wait a minute, if you're flying with an EFB, I thought an eight and a half by eleven shipping envelope was all you needed. No, no, it's a, it's a right stuff thing. You need a bag. Right? Save your money, go buy an airplane. David, quickly, you going to buy anything? What are you up to today? Uh, I got a couple of folks I want to talk to about uh, airplanes. Uh, oh, that's what yeah, we can do that too. Yeah. yeah. All right then. Well, you'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you to report. Well, uh, we're, we're hoping that to be in a position to start shopping a little later this year. It's the best we've been in a while. I've already visited with what the manufacturer, the distributor for the airplane, the bride, the best, really wants to have. Uh, we'll see where that conversation goes. Yep. Um, so uh, just a couple of quick thank yous. Uh, uh, as always, uh, a huge thank you to the entire staff of the Sun and Fun Fly-In for all that they do and for their hospitality to us throughout this week and throughout the year, for that matter. Um, and, and obviously, and I just can't say this enough, big thank you to uh, Dave Shellbetter, the chairman of Sun and Fun Radio, and to his entire staff for their yes, uh, tolerating yes, us yes, and, and, and welcoming us and uh, making their facility available to us. Um, it's, it's always a, a great pleasure and a great thrill to be part of this, this team uh, each year. 
uh, uh, during this week. Uh, thank you. Um, and, and the other big thank you to our listeners. It's such a thrill to run into our listeners here throughout the week and to chat with them. And some of them we've met online and some we've met here in past years. But it's just, it just never pales. It's just a real pleasure to meet our listeners here. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's the most. It's, it's a privilege. The gratifying part of doing this, other than getting to hang out with you guys. Yeah. Uh, and uh, finally, uh, big big thanks to uh, my friends. Uh, that's Dave Higdon. That's Jeb Burnside. I'm Jack Hodgson. David, were you going to say something? You want to live long and happy, go fly, because as we all know, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. And bye that's, bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go fly. And thank you both for listening.